Old Saint Nick's got bourbon breath. It's so cold you could catch your death. A cop sold me some crystal meth. It's a merry fucking Christmas. Everything's so Christmassy. The streets are twinkling with frozen pee. My priest just sat on Santa's knee. It's a merry fucking Christmas. All the kids go to bed each night to dream what Santa brings them. Brings Unless they're Jewish or Muslim or some other chip religion. Crappy toys flying off the shelves. Midgets dressed up to look like elves. Spread good cheer or burn in hell. It's a merry fucking Christmas. Hello and welcome to a very special Christmas episode of Gale Boys, uh, where we talk about politics, movies, and really whatever the fuck we feel like that week. I am your host, Liam, joined again by our wonderful co-host, um, Jordan. Hello, and uh, for Christmas this year, we wanted to do something that was both fun, but also fit within our our, our, our genre, we could say. And what better way to do that than backroom sex cults involving rich people? Yeah, we became a, a very close to doing Die Hard 2, but we settled on an eyes wide shot because it's uh, it's one of my favourite movies. And it's like, it's, it's a Christmas movie, but not really, which we'll get into. But, yeah. uh, it, it, it's a Christmas movie in the same way Die Hard 2 is, in that Santa Claus is there, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I did enjoy uh, the Santa Claus cameo in this when he was coming in Sidney We sure Sidney Pollock isn't just playing Santa Claus himself in this. I mean, the suspenders with no shirt, that's a fucking drip right there. Yeah, some of the fucking costumes in that are insane. Yeah, so real quick before we start, uh, we really the only news item that I find particularly interesting to talk about. I know the World Cup's happening in Qatar, but there are people who are way better equipped to deal with that than we are. So I think we're just going to talk about Kanye West going on multiple different very right-wing talk shows and having a real... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it... Um, he said, I love Hitler, loudly and proudly, which was quite impressive. Yeah, it seems like every time we record, there's already some, like, new Kanye thing to talk about. Like, what was it, last time, fucking, uh... He did his, uh, Defcon... He did his Defcon 3 on Jews tweet, which was like, I thought... Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought we were gonna be done with that, but no, it, it keeps no. going. Uh, but... No, the, uh... The creators are on a, a real one in his uh, character development. <sighs> to go from that to Alex Stones. Alex Stones is funny because he's had like guys yeah, like David Duke on his show. Oh yeah, so he just kind of like it just kind of like par for the course for uh, some guy like going on there and blaming the Jews for everything. That David Duke interview is amazing if you can watch it because it starts off with him trying to. Um confront david duke about his beliefs and then they talk more and more and then alex starts to agree with david duke yeah it's wild it's a wild interview but um the one i found more interesting than alex jones ones because alex jones is at that fuck it point in his career he owes a billion dollars you know he's probably going to run off somewhere eventually so he really doesn't give a fuck who he has on a show anymore but the tim pool one was the one that really got me because tim pool right now still has this like image of like being a centrist at least to the people who like him 
So him trying so desperately to tap dance around Kanye, just going straight into anti-Semitism, was a, a spectacle to watch. Yeah, tempo, tempo was weird because he started out like every YouTuber, like some like centrist Twitch YouTuber, and now he's got guys like fucking uh, Nick Fuentes, little uh, booger eating Nazi that everyone. <laughs> Which knows about for some reason. Trump knows about now, which is very funny. Yeah, dinner with him. Yeah, that's like, have you seen that fucking uh, Truth Social uh, post you brought out in defense of that? That was. It was like some other Fuentes, and then like Nick came in and Trump was like, who the fuck is this? Who is this? Wow, it's uh, and Milo's back as well. He's part of this. I don't know if he's still part of this trio. I think they've already cut him. Uh, I think there was. A, yeah, I saw. Was... Yeah, I think. I mean, he wasn't going to last long to begin with because I mean, once you uh -huh. you see those uh, those little things he does on the like he you know talking about hey pedophilia is pretty cool. Then you're like oh boy, oh we need to cut this guy right now. Yeah, I, I'll never forget the fucking uh, Epic Gamer Gators for the mainstreaming Milo. Because people tend to forget that's like, that's that was his like big star. Yeah. He was getting game. Mercer money for a while. Ah, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, and then they, and once he, yeah, once he lost that gig, they realized, oh, he's not good at this at all. We need to, we need to drop this yeah. right now. I need to find some other billionaire to leech off. Yeah. It's, it's Kanye West now for some reason. And, and the other thing I loved about the 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 real the sort of psychodrama of that Tim Pool interview is Tim Pool needs Kanye. Kanye doesn't need Tim Pool because Kanye, that you know, he still has a big enough audience that he doesn't need to go on. I don't need to go on your fucking show. You better bow to me, and if you don't, I'll just walk off like he did on that Tim Pool interview. Yeah, like Tim Pool is weirdly mainstream now. You'll see like billboards of him across uh, across America but he's also like incredibly fringe internet shit like you go on his Twitter and he just talks about like bog standard right wing stuff about gay fucking kids and yeah. it's just like which is actually pays attention which that. is funny because you know again going back into all this projection shit uh, we talked about the last episode um, he has been accused of uh, eye messaging uh, underage fans and uh, asking for some pretty questionable stuff from them oh a, a guy who's into butt rock is into the questionable stuff of minors bro I know uh, right it's surprising I'm a little worried too about uh, Kanye if you want to laugh uh, yeah. If, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna laugh. Google uh, Tim Pool music. That's some really good stuff. Yeah, but. that's some. Uh, all these guys are failed artists. Usually, they're all like they failed in some artistic way, and now they're lashing out at the world for it. I mean, Hitler's the most famous example. If someone had bought a painting, maybe the Holocaust wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you you have to pretend that like Hitler's paintings are so fucked up because he would draw like bog standard buildings. But they have like like staircases that don't lead anywhere. Like it's yeah. like MC Escher shit. It's like yeah, it's like they gave MC Escher acid and told him draw the most fucked up thing you could imagine. Yeah, man. Well, but um, but uh, yeah, fucking uh, talking about like people tend to forget that Kanye West like like early two thousands was the fucking next big thing in rock. He was like Jay Z's fucking successor and yeah. now he's just like going on fucking fringe internet shows. Within a month he has completely 
burned every bridge he had. It's quite impressive to watch. It's like a, it's like a Brewster's Millions type situation. How much can I burn in a week? And he and he's doing. He's on a fucking track, man. I mean, and I don't know how this is gonna end. This could end with him going to therapy and fixing himself, but it probably won't, I think. Because he's surrounded by... When you have Nick Fuentes and your fucking entourage, you're probably not coming back anytime soon. I'm hoping it ends the same way as uh, like the end of Network. Oh. He's just on TV <sighs> and fucking like, Milo comes in with a gun. <laughs> oh, that would, be, uh, that would be an incredible end to that arc, though. That, that's a fucking bookend right there. Hell yeah, we need to do network at some point. Oh man, I would say more ends like New Jack City, where then Milo <laughs> just yells, "Your soul is required in hell," and then just blows him away. Oh, I just I, I rewatched New Jack City a few days ago, and god damn it, that movie's still running through my head. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. Oh, uh, but um. But, uh, speaking of uh, masterpieces, the uh, film we're talking about today is. I've said it before, it's like one of my favourite movies and like I, I put it in my sound and sound yes. and like like one of the greatest movies ever made but fucking Eyes Wide Shut is just man. It, there are there are layers to it that you could sit, the thing I love about this movie, this is what I love about all great movies is that you can sit a dozen people in a room, they all watch this movie and everyone leaves with a different interpretation of it and all of them are correct in some way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those films that's like vague enough that you can just sort of project your own thing onto it, but at the same time it is like, it's clear cut what Kubrick's trying to do. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it, it, it's sort of a great, like, it, and, and you know, Kubrick is an interesting, not just a filmmaker, but an interesting man in general, because, you know, he's... It, if you go through his career, he's had a lot of a lot of interesting periods in his career. He starts off completely independent. He does Fear and Desire and Killer's Kiss, which uh, I don't think are good movies, and I think Kubrick would agree with me that they're not they're not great. They're like sixty minutes long each. They're both like really artistic and just kind of not interesting, really. Nah, nah. And then he does uh, Lolita, which is like oh yeah. Oh man, that's a. You think for the, you think for the fucking film to get famous by like later is just it's one of those movies that's like, this is the film that makes me famous. Well, I mean, it's he does the killing before that, which is kind of like a pulpy noir heist thriller. It's one of like the key pieces of American film noir cinema. Yeah, but Lolita is a much more interesting movie in terms of. Um, just in terms of, you know, what, what it is about and the fact Peter Sellers plays a fucking child pornographer in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it recently and Peter Sellers is just like, he's like a child hungry pedophile, but he's also doing wacky acts. Oh, he's so ch- he, That's the thing about Vladimir Novikov's writing is how he can take the worst fucking people in the world and make them charming. And the casting of Peter Sellers had to have been fucking... Goddamn! It it had to have been intentional, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Kubrick's casting is uh, is interesting because he worked with like a set cast people like Sellers, um, fucking uh, what's his face, uh, Barry London, not Barry London himself, but like his uh, his like stepson, 
what the fuck is this called again? Leon Vitale, that uh, yeah, the fucking um mask guy from Ice Age shot. So you have like you have like a set cast of regulars and then just get them to do like wacky accents. And I love I love one of the things I love too about um with with some of his casting choices, you have people who can handle his directing style. And then you have people, like, he just breaks people on his set. Like, after Doctor Strangelove, he becomes the Kubrick. Like, that that's when he becomes the Kubrick that we know. That's when his directing style really is the, um, what it, you know, Doctor Strangelove's the turning point. Because then it's 2001, it's Barry Lyndon, it's Full Metal Jacket, it's all these movies uh, that he, that then become, like, the films that he, the people study and, and, you know, it leads to, um, you know, very famously on The Shining, people, you know, not aware of how he works. Uh, people had breakdowns on that movie. Yeah. One of my, uh, like, least favorite Hollywood myths is that The Shining is the thing that, like, killed Shelley Duvall's interest in movies, which is clearly not true. It didn't help. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't think it helped much. <laughs> He famously got on with Nicholson, but Shelley Duvall was like the one person that got on with his skin. I love how he directed that. I love how he directed that movie because basically he treated all three actors completely differently. Uh, Nicholson and him were just fucking buddies. Shelley was, you know, yelled at, ostracized. And the kid actor was told nothing. Like, they just said, all right, he takes the kid, all right, I want you to stare into the camera, make weird faces. And he didn't tell him why. He told him, you're going to run through this maze. Didn't tell him anything. Didn't tell him he was making a horror movie at all. And the disconnect between those three performances is what makes it interesting. Yeah, it's... The Shining is, like, probably my favorite horror movie now that I think about it. Yeah. It's, it's layered in a way that most movies just aren't. Like, the same for Eyes Wide Shut. There is, like, there is, like multiple layers to that movie. Yeah. And, um... We'll yeah, Eyes Wide Shut could also be classified as a horror movie if you look at it in certain yeah, ways. Yeah. Like that fucking, um, like the scene where uh, Tom Cruise is talking to Alan Cumming. Oh man, his, uh, musician friend that's, just disappears. Oh, that's my that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because Alan Cumming's performance in that is so weird, and he's like whispering all his fucking dialogue, and he's smiling. It's so unsettling, and the way Tom Cruise reacts to it is like, just, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> he looks confused and weirded out, and it just works so well. Yeah, we should probably talk about Tom Cruise, because this is like, this is like, not early Tom Cruise, but like, yeah. he's like, yeah. kind of into his career. Yeah, he's a star at this point, he's already done Mission Impossible, he's been married to Nicole Kidman, you know. And this movie, I have no proof of this, but I firmly believe this is the film that got him into Scientology. <laughs> no, I, I, like, this film fucked him. Like, no one walks away from a... When you work with Kubrick, no one walks away uh, the same person they were before they did. And right after this, like, around 2000, 2001, he joined Scientology. Yeah, you've got that insane uh, Oprah interview, and that's like... That was Only like two years after all that. Yeah, that was for uh, War of the Worlds. That, yeah, that was for War of the Worlds when he. Uh, I don't know what happened on that. I think he was just going through a phase or something. Yeah, just like, yeah, the fucking um, all the conspiracy theories attached to Eyes Wide Shut, like the fucking uh, the most famous one and probably my favorite. Uh, probably my favorite is the fucking um, 
Kubrick heart attack gun. Like, <laughs> like we've talked about this before, but like pass it. Lenny, you know, he dies shortly after Salvo Kubrick dies shortly after this, and it is like it's one of those films where you just like spill your fucking guts in front of everybody, and something bad is going to happen afterwards. I mean, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, right? Like I can imagine fucking, uh, yeah. like I can imagine fucking uh, Kubrick was taken into a room by some like high floating Hollywood guy, and was like, oh, um. You want to come into this weird sex world and Kubrick was like, ah, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Well, it's it's funny because uh, he never left uh, Britain, which is because uh, this is filmed in uh, it's filmed in Britain, which is um, funny because I, and it, it, the reason he never left Britain is I think it was because on Barry Lyndon he got threatened by the IRA, and that really fucked him up and said, I'm not leaving. Yeah, he had this uh, like weird British exile and. Like right up until his death, which is weird. Um, yeah, Barry London's weird because it's fucking like it's probably his best movie overall. But a lot of people talk about it for some reason. Everyone loves two thousand one. I think Barry Lyndon is is interesting because it is sort of uh, it's it, but Barry Lyndon just sort of yeah. one of people's radar. I think Barry Lyndon's interesting because it is this uh, it is so it is it's it's sort of it's interesting sandwiched in between you know Clockwork Orange and uh, you know like at the time like him doing a period piece and the making of it's quite in- amazing. There's a great interview with Ryan O'Neill talking about like. Uh, they were filming a scene inside a carriage, and the horse clopping was too loud, so they had the fucking crew members drag the carriage. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, Kubrick is really the only one who could get away with something like that, like... When he tells you to do something, you fucking do it. And like, like people tend to forget how much uh, like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were the our power couple of the nineties, and then Kubrick comes along, demands fucking so much from those two, and fucking destroys their marriage. Uh, <laughs> it's it's because it's uh, this had um, the production of this is so insane. So. This has, I think, I think it's the world record for longest principal photography shoot in history. It was 400 days. Jesus. Yeah, because I think what happened was he started working on the film with a different group of actors. They got like halfway through production. He fires them and then hires fucking Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. And they basically just reshoot the entire movie. Yeah, famously, uh, Harvey Keitel was going to be the Sidney Pollock character. But uh, Keitel was uh, very quickly got tired of Kubrick's shit and it, walked off set. I don't. Imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, you work with Abel Ferreira, you work with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Kubrick's probably like you're not going to get along with. And you know, Keitel has such a fascinating career with like the amount of different people he's worked with. Yeah, it's uh, I, as much as I love Keitel, I can't like picture him playing that character. No, Sidney Pollock is just. Perfect casting. He just yeah, that is perfect casting. And like, 
one of the better, like, direct or turned um, actor uh, roles. Uh, I think about that and Cronenberg uh, and Nightbreeds. Yeah, Pollock. yeah. Well, Pollock was always interesting. Like, he, he kind of, because, uh, you know, he was a big director in the 70s and then took up acting and actually had a pretty, pretty decent career as an actor. You know, still occasionally went and directed, but, you know. Yeah, it's... It's a weird casting choice, but it completely works. Like, I can't really think of, like, I, I can't really think of how you would recast this. Like, no. Everything is just, like, every actor is just so perfect. Like, fucking Nicole Kidman is so perfect as, like, like the waspy, fucking disillusioned wife that just wants a fool, but Tom Cruise can't get it. So. I, I have to wonder how much personal baggage came when, when they did this movie. Because I feel like there was a lot of... I don't know how much of this is acting and how much of this is them just opening up to each other and Kubrick is just filming it for our amusement. Yeah, I can imagine, like... I can imagine the very end, like... Like, the fucking... They're in the toy store... <sighs> And uh, Cruz is spilling his guts to her, and Kidman is just like, "Look, forget about this. Let's just fuck." I can imagine that's like, <laughs> like the last day of fucking their uh, relationship. Oh, oh, that scene is gut wrenching, man. That last scene, just he he has been through this night because the whole thing set over the course of one night, basically, and. You know, he's seen all this weird shit. Like, because we, we haven't gotten to the scene where he, like, goes into the room and these guys are trying to fuck an underage girl and, like, the other guy's yelling and shit. It's just chaos. Yeah, apparently that's uh, Kate Blanchett is one of the, uh, is one of, like, female um, sex workers, which is... Uh, that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, fucking, like, everyone talks about the fucking, like, all the capes and masks, uh, password, uh, I don't know the password, no, the other password, everyone loves that shit, but, um, yeah, it's, like, it, it, it's set up to be this, like, big, demonic, horrific event, and it's just, like, people fucking, it's just, like, people having regular sex. Yeah, no, it's, 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 and it's the, the, the music really is what I think makes it unsettling for a lot of people. We've, yeah, we've yeah. played the music. It's, it's quite yeah. chilling. It's really, cause it's, it's the way that he, like, cause we talk about directors, the way they portray sex. We saw Bones and All recently. And I was saying how like mm -hmm. cannibalism in that movie is sex here. Sex to Kubrick is like a fucking satanic ritual. <laughs> it may as well be yeah. like they're cutting babies up and shit. It's fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, fucking, um, you don't really see that many love scenes in Kubrick movies. Uh, probably most famously is fucking, um, is Barry London. Yeah. Of, like, sex stuff in that is, like, very fucking weird. It's shot, and it, it's almost shot from, like, a voyeuristic perspective. There's that scene where <laughs> he, like, kisses this woman, and it's shot, and it does, like, this long zoom in. It's It's a weird thing. I don't know. It, and it is almost voyeuristic in a way, and this this has a lot of that kind of vibe to it of voyeurism, I would say. Yeah, you, you don't see really, like Clockwork uh, uh, Orange as well. Uh, oh yeah, has a few famous sex scenes. Well, the, well, I mean, it has one of the most famous rape scenes in film history. Like it ruined an entire song for people. Yeah, uh, I took a friend of mine to go see that a few years ago because that was like the fortieth anniversary and. He had never seen it before, and like, 
when they got to that scene where the fucking drugs are just going hog and this poor fucking oh uh, it's disturbing man uh, it's yeah. uh and gene kelly was apparently fucking pissed about that scene i can imagine, I can imagine. Uh, by the way you know what i love also about clockwork orange is after that malcolm mcdowell does caligula and you know when you when you do a movie like clockwork orange nothing fucking phases you anymore so i feel like he just went on caligula like well a job's a job oh there's a bunch of people i gotta cut a dude's nuts off eh, I've, I've been in a kubrick film this is nothing Man, that's, that's such a good early bond for McDowell. Like, he does uh, F, quote, 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 and like Oh, if is, if is sort of, um, a, if is sort of a proto, um, like, almost, I wouldn't say it's a pro, it's an incel movie, but it really does feel like it's sort of the prototype of what would, like, become, like, loner, like, movies like that, like Taxi Driver and shit like that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, are, uh, like, British movies that deals with, which, again, fucking sex, but it's done in such a fucked up way. Yeah. Like, the scene when, um, like, one of the young school kids is getting caned by the fucking oh. like, higher-ups is just... Oh, that is, that is, haunt. that's fucked up. Yeah, no, that, that movie's, if you, if you've never seen If People, see it. It's, it's, it'll fuck you up, and it's a great movie mm. on top of that. Oh, man. Yeah, you watch it, and, uh, like... You, you watch that uh, and you finally realize, oh, this is why like every British politician is fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> like every Tory has to go through that fucking system. It wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me at all if that they, they they make you watch that movie on repeat almost. Like <laughs> I get some. I, 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 I you know, and it's interesting because you know, Eyes Wide Shut. We're going back to Eyes Wide Shut. There is this sense of like a uh, weird, you know, like. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the way that movie, like the way it, it just keeps like everything is delivered. You never really get a sense of what is really happening. Like Kubrick never spells out what this is or what the fuck is going on. And that just kind of makes it again. It adds to the interpretation of what the movie actually is. And yeah, it has this weird dreamlike quality to it. Oh yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is, uh, Cruz is coming home and he sees the the fucking mask on his pillow and, oh. and it's like uh, she yeah did did, did were you there? <laughs> I just I just love how like that he his character just descends. He starts the movie. They're at that fucking Christmas party and Cruz is all fucking like doing his usual like you know like he's he's slick back hair. He's 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 talkable. He's charismatic. And by the end, he's a shriveling, broken mess. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... The amount of shit he goes through, like he starts off normal and then just ends a fucking like yeah. He sees this all driving mad. Yeah, uh, I... one of my like one of my favorite scenes is um towards the end when he goes back to the Sydney Pollock's house and Pollock does the fucking Ned Beatty network speech. Yep, just tells him like this is the way things are, dude. Yeah, like, so either either uh, get with the program or fuck off. That's your options. Yeah, he, he pretty much threatens him without actually threatening him. Yeah. He just says, look, uh, I know you don't want to be a part of this world. You're thinking about inviting you, but we're, you're clearly not interested. So just just do your own thing. Let me and my friends do our thing. Yeah. Don't try to fucking blow the whistle on this, or else you'll wind yeah. up like that. Um, like that sex worker who was totally not killed earlier. <laughs> yeah. Came in this morning, 3.40 a.m., 
with these big guys, and he looks scared as shit. <laughs> I love Alan Cumming in this movie. That whole fucking sequence is so... And he's, it's like he's seen it before, because, again, he's smiling and whispering his dialogue. It's amazing. It's a fucking great performance. Yeah, he, he's not in it much, but yeah. he leaves a fucking impression. Yeah, you could tell that there was, like, uh, there was like a real hierarchy, like a pyramid almost uh, in this movie. You have you have Tom Cruise, who's, who's wealthy, but he's not, like, uber-rich, so he's at the sort of, like, bottom of the totem pole. And then you have like coming in the middle as like um as like a rich toady basically. Yeah, he's a middleman. He yeah. Yeah, he's a middle manager, and you have fucking Pollock right at the top. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think I think we should say this. I, I love Tom Cruise's performance in this. We've talked about it. And, you know, people always you know he is one of those guys. You give him the proper material and like a good director, he is a force of nature. I mean, you watch like Memento. Where no, not Memento, Magnolia. Excuse me, the Paul Thomas Amazon. Where it's just that whole scene where he goes and meets his dad is so tragic and sad, and you know, and 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 this film in particular, like just the way he starts and the way he ends are so different. And I I think it's a testament to, like I said, you give him the right material because he's been sort of on autopilot for a decade now. Yeah. Like you know, Mission Impossible makes billions of dollars and. After Top Gun Maverick, I don't see him doing anything too experimental nah, in the future. Nah. No, not not anytime nah, soon. I think uh, Mickey Rubik said it best that Cruz has essentially just been playing himself for like the last fifteen years. Oh yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. Since I lost that, yeah, he's he's just himself. Yeah, like, like yeah, there was this weird run in the like, uh, like late nineties, early two thousands, where he is doing like fucking War of the Worlds. Like, that's a fucking big performance. Oh, the War of the Worlds is a is a you know, War of the Worlds is great until Tim Robbins shows up. Then the movie just fucking mm. grinds to a halt, and then kind of doesn't recover from that. Because that's the problem with like Spielberg, is that everything has to end with a happy ending unless he's doing like a prestige drama. Yeah, unless it's like Munich or something. Yeah, Munich, and it's quite funny because uh, apparently Kubrick wanted to do a Holocaust drama. He had like done a whole bunch of research. The other thing about Kubrick, he would do years of research for movies that he never made. Napoleon is the most famous example of that. Like, yeah, the fucking Nicholas and Napoleon movie is like one of the great worst of history. Yeah, but and, but he was happened. planning a Holocaust movie, and then Schindler's List happened, and he had to scrap it because he's like, well, fuck, like I, I'm not gonna beat that. Fuck. Yeah. Spielberg has an interesting relationship to Kubrick because um, Kubrick came very close to doing AI and then yeah. passed away and Spielberg has to come in and pick up the pieces. I'm not sure how AI would have been with Kubrick because Kubrick was a pretty cynical guy. So uh, yeah. the, the, the difference is, it's quite interesting to imagine like how different, if Kubrick had made that film, how different it would have been. There is shades of it in Spielberg's version, but... It has that Spielberg, like, sugary, you know. It, it has a... The, the downer ending is there, but it's painted as a happy ending, whereas I imagine Kubrick yeah. would just go full fucking nihilism with that ending. Yeah, that can picture a very different movie there. Um, although, fucking... I haven't seen AI for a while, but everything I, like, can remember from it, like, 
I just immediately think of Ready Player One. Yeah. Big fucking like gaudy CGI world. Yeah, that I, I I feel like AI is in the same camp as Ready Player One. I know there are people who love that film. I'm I'm really not. Like again, it's the it's the issue of like I have with a lot of Spielberg crowd pleasers, and that it is just it is just designed to 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 please, and there's not much real substance to it. Like. That's why Munich is so great, because Munich is just full on, like, it feels like a Sidney Pollock movie from the 70s. Like, just the hopelessness of it is so palpable. Yeah, that's probably, like, that's probably Spielberg's last great movie. Like, yeah. I, I enjoy Bridge of Spies, but it's also just, like, yeah. Spielberg and autopilot. Yeah, I, I am interested for his Bullet uh, remake, because him doing a 70s car chase movie in his old age would actually be quite fun. Like, because we haven't really had a good old school 70s cop movie in years so I'm, I'm holding out hope that maybe that'll be something but you never know yeah i can imagine uh like collarwood's approach he's having is like like you could either do indiana jones 5 or you could do a bullet well obviously you know i did crystal skull do you know how that fucking turned out like jesus oh man oh i, I, I remember taking my uh uncle and aunt i think it was my yeah, it was my uh, uncle to go see that, like, day one when it came out, and I was so fucking excited. And I got to the scene where Shia LaBeouf is, like, doing the fucking Marlon Brando thing, <sighs> and just the sigh of disappointment in both of us. Oh, that movie was, like, it was bad. It was, it was, like, I was, I was okay with the nuke fridge, because at least that's, like, you know what, it's, yeah. it's dumb, but it's kind of fun. And then Shia's fucking swinging from vines with monkeys, like, oh, fuck this movie. <laughs> Fuck this movie. Oh. Yeah, but, um, yeah, going back to Eyes Wide Shut, uh, the fucking, like, another one of my favourite scenes is just Tom Cruise is walking along the street and, like, some fat bros, uh, some, like, fat bros start calling him faggot. Cause oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... That's that's an interesting scene because, like I said, there's 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 so many layers to every scene of this movie. Like is and there have been rumors for years that Tom Cruise might actually be closeted. So maybe that's just maybe that's just Kubrick fucking with him. Because yeah, Kubrick would would yeah. yeah Kubrick was known to break actors pretty fucking severely. Yeah, I joked about that in my uh, Mission Impossible to Letterboxd uh, review. That was like. Like, run about Mission Impossible 2, this is sort of the uh, Tom Cruise will come at the closet jokes. <laughs> you wonder if uh, yeah. Kubrick knew anything. Well, I mean, Maybe I. That's why Maybe that, yeah, it might have fuck, man, possibly. I mean, Tom Cruise has a, has a whole church behind him, it is possible. Because <laughs> anyone. Kubrick made so many enemies throughout his career. Peter Sellers told him to fuck off on Doctor Strange Love, like. His producing yeah, partner yeah. James B. Harris was like he was accused of like molesting uh, the actress who played Lolita. Like it is possible that he made some enemies throughout his year. Yeah, like the like, Ice Wide Shut is another one of the Star movies that's just like Kubrick is clearly trying to tell us something, but yeah, it's, we... again, it's it's one of those things that's just sort of vague enough that it like, goes over most people's heads. I don't know if it's vague enough. I think it's deliberately uh, vague. I think it's deliberately designed to... He was hoping that if I keep it vague enough, I won't be killed. But I think... You know, I mean, it, no. uh, the heart attack gun is just such a great fucking... I mean, 
is such a... I love that theory because it's outlandish, but you believe it because Hollywood is so fucked up. They probably have that. Yeah, fucking, I watched um, An Open Secret recently. The oh. Diamond Stinger uh, oh. documentary. That is... It's like, that's tough, man. <laughs> if, if you remade Eyes Wide Shut today, it would be like... There'd be no fucking ambiguity to it. It would just be, yeah... Um, yeah. Famous director, such and such. That's why Eyes Wide Shut. That's why Eyes Wide Shut is so special because you can't make it today. You can't make a movie like this. Not now. Not on the scale that it was made. Because this was like Kubrick's most financially successful film. It made a hundred hundred million in profit. Cost like sixty million. Made one hundred and sixty-two million. So it was a fucking hit. Like, and a movie like this would not be hit now. Not in today's climate. No, that's absolutely not yet. Fucking Tar would have been a hit 20 years ago, but it, like, <laughs> barely has scratched the surface. It's it's sad. By the way, Todd Fields is in this movie. Is uh, The writer-director yeah, of Tar is in Eyes Wide Shut. He plays a small role. <laughs> but it's, it's quite funny to think that knowing how... I don't know if you've ever seen a lot of Todd Fields' work, but I feel like him the short time he had on this set really helped him build as a director. Yeah. I'm so pissed that fucking Todd doesn't coming out to me. You need month. to see it, man. When you get a chance, see it. It's, fuck, man, the ending of this movie, I won't spoil it. I haven't laughed this hard at a movie in a decade. Hell yeah. It's, it is one of the greatest fuck you endings to an audience I've ever seen in a way that's actually, like, fitting. It's amazing. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, some, uh, some movie endings from this year, like, we'll probably talk about it as, like, a final episode of the year like a like a Deskian cinema retrospective talking about our favorite ones but oh yeah some of the endings and uh some of the movies i've seen this year like bones and all the fucking ending to that's great that's beautiful that's a brilliant we may have to do an episode on bones and all because we both saw it okay. and it's it, that movie in the ending it's heartbreaking it's romantic and it's beautiful and hard it, it has the the roller coaster of emotions you have watching that last 10 minutes of that movie is incredible it's i wasn't a guadalino head until after i saw this movie because i didn't care for um call me by your name i haven't seen suspiria because i just i'm a huge argento i'm a huge argento fan so i'm a little miffed that you would even touch that but that's just me i'll have i have to give it a shot now because after bones and all i'm very curious i think you quite enjoy it it's um it's it's like super fucked in very specific places i think you'd enjoy it uh yeah i'm gonna watch it now after uh, after i like bones and all as much as i did i, I really want to give it a shot now but uh yeah i know it's uh but you know going back to um going back to kubrick and just just like it, it, you know there was a time where films like eyes wide shut could be made on a scale that they were be financially successful and that just that world doesn't exist anymore like fucking, I, think, like, I would say like the last like attempt at that would be something like uh, you were never really here. The uh, Hackman Phoenix movie that's kind of related to it. But I mean, like, 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 not even just movies like Eyes Wide Shut, but like movies that are like artistically driven by a filmmaker and have something more to offer than just like. You know, fucking comic book movie superhero yeah. shit. That just doesn't exist anymore. Like, Tar barely made $3 million here. Like, fuck. 
Yeah, fucking uh, like the wheel uh, just came out, and I can imagine like all the awards it's it's got, and I can imagine it's going to be that popular in the box office. I mean, no, I mean it'll it'll Brendan Fraser will probably. Get, I mean, the fact Brendan Fraser's in it's going to give it some pull, but it's probably more for like people who are curious to see a Brendan Fraser movie in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, that's a new audience I thought there was. Yeah, I, I will say this: Warner Brothers really fucked up. At, if he does win the Oscar, Warner Brothers really fucked up at canceling Batgirl because he's the villain in that. Mm. He's playing the bad yeah, guy in that, is. so they're like, "Oh, you guys fucked up bad." <laughs> yeah, even if it was like, like all the behind the scenes, say it's not very good, but like the movie's fucking finished, man. Yeah, just put it out, man. Like, fuck. <laughs> I feel bad for the directors because they they dropped a Beverly Hills Cop four to make Batgirl, which is like oh I mean no option was good but at least one option would have led to a finished product. Yeah. Yeah. Who's attached to that now? It was supposed to, uh, some TV some TV director. It's, yeah. it's gonna be garbage. Yeah. It's gonna be shit. I'm calling it now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the so to, yeah so to. Uh wrap things up um what would you say is like where would you say this fits into like the kubrick canon i i I think this for me eyes wide shut is kubrick's it truly could have only i think he made it with the intention that would have been his final film because it is a very it's very like it's it's both vague but very open about what it's about and you know the thing i love about kubrick's filmography is no films really fit together Barry Lyndon isn't like Clockwork Orange, and Clockwork Orange isn't like Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, so on and so forth. So it is like, it does fit really, it fits well into his canon by not fitting in at all. And it's also like, it truly is like, I'm making this knowing I'm not going to be here to see it, to see it come to fruition. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this before we started recording, but like, Kubrick is one of those rare directors where he never makes the same film twice. Which is like, like fucking David Lynch. Like I love him, but he just like. Yeah, no, he has a he has a brand. Yeah. Like yeah, no, I mean I love David Lynch. But yeah, but Mulholland Drive really isn't that different from like, I mean Inland Empire, Mulholland Drive, basically the same movie. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Kubrick is like every movie is so fucking different. Like two thousand one is so different from Full Metal Jacket, like Night and Day. Oh yeah, and. But, uh, even even his even his films I don't like like Fear and Desire and Killer's Kiss they are unique like because Fear and Desire is like a psychological horror film set during the World War Two and Killer's Kiss is like a film noir like a hazy film noir it really it's they're interesting even if I don't think they're they're particularly satisfying to watch as movies yeah they're very prototype uh, movies for. Um... Yeah, it's quite interesting. It's like top tier Kubrick. It's my favorite Kubrick. Oh, I I I love. I would say Barry Lyndon's my favorite Kubrick, just because I love the I love the way that movie is like shot and the the certain like. But I I do this is this and Barry Lyndon are like neck and neck, because I can't watch two thousand one unless it's in a movie theater. I saw that in seventy millimeter like on New Year's Day. And you just can't watch it at home after that. You're like, this is an old... You have to... You can only watch this in a theatrical setting. Because at home, it just doesn't have the same kick that it does 
on film in a, in a fucking giant room like that. Like, that movie is so visual and just such a technical fucking powerhouse, man. Yeah, yeah. It's the... I'm supposed to be seeing um, Eyes Wide Shit in the cinema later this month. Oh, hell yeah. Local, um, independent places hosting like a... It's doing like their typical Christmas movie month. And it's... What is it? It's, it's Muppet Christmas Carol, Die Hard, and fucking... Oh, that's a... Uh, that's an amazing fucking lineup of Christmas movies. Oh, oh, that's a fucking. My, my, by the way, I would have also added uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service because that does count as a Christmas oh, yeah. movie. That's yeah. I'm gonna watch that at some point before uh, Christmas. So, join us next time. We'll probably be doing our um, end of the year uh, wrap up on some of our favorite movies of the year because um, we're gonna have some very different movies i think because i've got some i've got some i've got some movies you're gonna be shocked you're like why is that on his favorite of the year hell yeah yes i would say overall this year was pretty good for me oh it's one of the this was better than last year i'll say that i didn't i didn't watch i think i watched one movie that was up for like best picture and i didn't care for it (laughs) Uh, this year was like, there's been a lot of shit this year, but there's been a lot of gold this year. So I'm, going, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. Hell yeah. All right. So join us next time for our uh, end of the year re- retrospective. And if anything else horrible happens, we will cover that. Because <laughs> there's still time for uh, something yeah, real can't... fucked up to happen. Kanye is going to have his uh, Mishima moment. He's gonna fucking... I think he's already there. I think it's just it's days now. I think he's already at that point. He's gonna go to um, Israel and just try to take it over with a bunch of fucking incel neo Nazis from Reddit. Fuck yeah. That would be awesome. Um, that that you know, fuck fuck the network comparison. That's a better ending to his arc. Going full Mishima. Yeah. yeah. I, of course, there's all these playing uh, Kim Kardashian for all of this. But uh... yeah. Yeah. Well, you heard that. Well, you know what? I mean, her dad did get OJ off murder, so karma is a bitch. I'll give him that. <laughs> the fucking conspiracy theories surrounding um, OJ and Chris Jenner are also just totally insane. I love it. Um, 